have uh, Luke and Jennifer with us. That surprised me to walk in. And you know, you know what I thought of? If Zane were here, I'd have both of y'all come up here at the end of the service. But since, since Zane's not here, I'm going to let you go. I get, Gail told me Luke's having a birthday. Is it today? Is today his birthday? Well, happy birthday, Lucas Miller. Wow. Hey, 32. Thir- big 32. Man. Well, I tell you what, put the pads back on. They need you back on the hill, man. Hey, I'm, I'm glad to be here to be able to share with you uh, from the Word of God. I'm in a series that I've entitled Kingdom Come. We started this uh, in the 1st of October. Jesus taught us to pray for God's kingdom to come and for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we receive Jesus, we become part of the kingdom of God. We become citizens in God's kingdom. And then when we share Jesus with others and they believe, the kingdom of God grows. We also understand that when King Jesus stepped into this world 2,000 years ago, it was the kingdom of God launching a full-out frontal assault on the kingdom of darkness. That kingdom of darkness that has ruined and ruled this world since Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. So now this world is a battleground. There is a spiritual conflict going on between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. But also you need to understand, church, that every human heart is a spiritual battleground between these two kingdoms that are in conflict. And we see that in an encounter that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 12. So that's our passage today, Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read the story beginning in verse number 22 and reading through verse 30. Everybody good? We okay? Uh, I know that my, my normal amen people, the people that, that kind of, you know, they do the amening in this service, they're on security duty today. They're, they're out guarding us, and so they're, they're out in the hallway. So that, that leaves us with, uh, oh, y'all are ameners too, aren't you? Let's, let's practice that. Say it on three. One, two, three. Amen. All right. Now, you, can, you, you have the freedom to do it. Just do it at the right time. Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Well, I guess we need to have an amen class, don't we? Did he, nah, I'm just, I'm kidding. Uh, verse 22. Then one was brought to him, brought to Jesus, who was demon-possessed. The man was also blind and mute. And so what did Jesus do? He healed the man, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitude were amazed. That itself is an amazing word in the Greek. It means that their jaw dropped. They had never seen anything like this before. A demon-possessed man who could not see nor speak was healed. Three miracles performed on him. He was able to see, he could speak, and the demon was gone. And the people were amazed. They said... Could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? Verse 24. Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, Ah, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So they are thinking and saying, Jesus is casting out demons 
by the power of Satan himself. But Jesus knew their thoughts. I, I just have to comment as I'm reading. Is that okay that I kind of pause and comment? Y'all don't lose track, do you? I do. So, but anyway, isn't that amazing? Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. I wonder if he can still do that today. <laughs> well, you bet. He's doing it right now. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Jesus said, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, Satan fighting Satan? His kingdom will be divided and it will fall. And he said in verse 27, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. So Jesus is, is completely disarming and annihilating their argument with three reasons why. First of all, he said it doesn't make sense. Satan casting out Satan. That can't happen. Satan would be destroying his own kingdom. Second reason is this. I've seen you Pharisees. I've seen you religious Israelites. You have men amongst yourself who do this very thing. They cast out demons. So if they're casting out demons, by whose power are they using? I mean, if they're using the devil's power to cast them, then go get on them. Let them be your own judges. Verse 28 is a kicker. Jesus said, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And church, that's what we're talking about today. God's kingdom coming. Well, it came. Jesus is the manifestation of God's kingdom. He gives the third reason in verse 29. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will be able to plunder his house. He wraps it all up in verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So that's the story. God bless the reading of his word. Amen? So just so we're clear on what's happening here. Somebody brings to Jesus a man who was possessed by a demon. The devil had so wrecked this man's life that he could not see nor could he speak. What did Jesus do? He just heals the man. A threefold miracle on this man's behalf. The people were, were just completely amazed. Their jaws dropped at this. And they began saying amongst them, Well, this surely is the son of David. This surely is the coming Messiah. Now, the Pharisees and other religious leaders were so opposed to Jesus... And they so hated Jesus that they could not accept this explanation for the miracle. So they used this as an opportunity to attack Jesus. They said that when he drove the demon out of the man, he did it through the power of Beelzebub. 
who was the ruler of demons. That's simply another name for Satan. Well, Jesus totally dismantled I mean, why would Satan destroy his own kingdom? But in the course of Jesus answering their accusation, he teaches us that in this world there are two kingdoms that are in conflict. Let me say it another way. The kingdom of God has a rival. Not an equal, but a rival. We see that in the verses we just read. Verse 26, if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? Rhetorical question, there's no way it can stand, it will crumble. Then in verse 28, but if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here are these two kingdoms which are in conflict. You know what? Most of us don't even have a clue what's going on in this battle because this battle is invisible to us. The Bible tells us over and over again that there is a spiritual conflict going on 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It's in the atmosphere. It's in the air. It's in the heavens. It's all around us. God's kingdom battling the rival kingdom, the devil's kingdom. This conflict is going on in this very room. Problem is we just can't see it because it's spiritual. And we don't have these spiritual goggles that enable us to see what's happening. It's like if you're in a very dark room. You can't see anything, even things that are right in front of you. I told the first service people, I remember when I was a little boy, mom and dad took my sister and I to New Mexico, and we went to Carlsbad Cavern. Anybody ever been to Carlsbad Cavern? Raise your hand. Be proud of it. You've been to, okay, a few of you. Man, it, it's a deep cavern. It's absolutely beautiful once you get in there. They give tours. They have lights, and you walk on this little path. And Man, it's just, it's absolutely awesome. So we're down inside of Carlsbad Cavern, and the tour guide said, it, it, if the lights were not on in here, you couldn't see anything. All of a sudden, the lights went off. They turned the light. Somebody flipped the switch. He said, it is so dark in this room that your eyes would never be able to adjust. He said, in fact, right now, if you had your hand right in front of your face, you wouldn't be able to see your hand. And so right then when he said that, the lights came back on. And I, I was a little bitty kid, and I can remember, everybody had their hand in front of their face. Everybody did. I mean, I did. Everybody did. He suckered us in, didn't he? But, but it is that dark in the cavern. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. Kind of reminds me of every night in my bedroom when I have to get up in the middle of the night. It's not that dark, but I still stumble over things in the dark. Why? Because we can't see in the dark. Unless you have military-grade night vision goggles. Now, wouldn't those be cool to have? Huh? You know, if you had enough cash to buy, wouldn't those be cool? I've never had a pair on, but I've seen videos of them. And it's absolute. Our military has the ability, even in the darkest places, with these night vision goggles to be able to see. Isn't that cool? With the right technology. Here's this spiritual battle going on all around us, but we can't see it. 
because it's spiritual. And you know what we need? We do need spiritual vision goggles. If they made such a thing, and we passed them out this morning, and you put these spiritual vision goggles on, you would be absolutely amazed, same word, jaw-dropped, at what you saw, because there would be this massive battle going on all around you. It is a spiritual conflict. And you know what? It's even going on in our hearts. Too bad we don't have those spiritual vision goggles. Bummer. But we have something that is just as good. We have the Word of God, and we have the Spirit of God. And when we read the Word of God under the power of the Spirit of God, we begin to see this battle that's going on. Let's discover it this morning. Let's put on these spiritual goggles, and the first thing that we see is the enemy's domain. Look at verse 25. Jesus said, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or every house divided against itself will not stand. Now, remember, Jesus has been accused of casting out a demon by the power of Satan. That's ridiculous. Satan has his own kingdom over which he exerts his power and his influence. Why in the world would he fight against himself in his own domain? Doesn't make any sense at all. And then Jesus gives this illustration. Just like every city has its boundaries, every city has its own city limits, and officials who are in charge within those city limits. And just like every town or every household has a family that lives within the four walls of that house, Satan has his own house. Satan has his own dominion. Satan has his own boundary. Satan has his own realm over which he exudes his influence. And the Bible shows us that the enemy's domain, his territory, his turf is planet earth. It's the world. In John chapter 12 verse 31, Jesus called Satan the prince of the ruler of this world. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, it tells us we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And when John uses that word world, he's referring to the world of human culture that is organized and opposed to God. It is the system on planet earth that opposes God and his word. And all of that is under the control of Satan. This world is his domain. So Satan has his domain, his kingdom. It's the evil influence of our world. But make no mistake about it, it also includes people. Okay? We saw last week that the kingdom of God is made up of people, citizens, who were born again. 
people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who at one time were in the world, but they believed in Jesus. They trusted Jesus as their Savior, and they were saved, born again. They became citizens of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of Satan has its citizens as well. People who are under his reign and his rule. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 talks about this. It, it talks about the Christian who has been saved, but it refers back to their old way of life. And he says in Ephesians 2, 2, in which you used to live. This is the way you used to be. When you followed the ways of this world and were under the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So people without Jesus, people who have not been born again, are locked in to this invisible domain. They are lost and they are separated from God. But when we're saved, we're rescued. <laughs> Amen? When we're saved, we're set free from the rule and domain of the devil. Colossians 1.13 For he has rescued us from the dominion. That is the domain of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son in which he loves. You know what? Even after we are saved, we have to fight every single day the powerful allurement of this world. Even though we are saved, our sin nature has a battle going on inside of us, pulling us back to the darkness of this world. The system of people and ideals that are inspired and ruled by Satan and, and set apart against God. Even though we're saved, we still live in a fallen world. And every day there is this battle going on around us and even in us. And we have to fight off those temptations. 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 puts it like this. John says, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God is going to live forever. This world, Satan's kingdom, is passing away. One day it will be judged and it will be destroyed. But those of us who are in the kingdom of God, those of us who want his kingdom to come and his will to be done, will live forever. Because you know what? The kingdom of God endures forever. So you kind of get a picture here with these spiritual goggles on of what we're up against. This system, this culture, this world that we live in is under the influence and the control of the devil. And there is not a single human being or a human institution that has not been infiltrated and touched by the evil one. Education, politics, entertainment, you name it, it's all been tainted by sin. 
We see the devil's hand on every aspect of the world in which we live in. Now, granted, there is residue of God's good creation that's still evident all around us. We see it in nature. We, We see it in beauty. But overall, Satan has his diabolical hooks in every aspect of the human experience. That's what makes this world such an evil place to live. It's the domain of the devil. I can quickly say to that, though, you know what? Good thing. This world is not my home. (laughs) We're just kind of passing through. So we put on these spiritual goggles, and we see the devil's domain. But the second thing that we see is what I'm calling the enemy's demons. I don't have time to really get into this too much this morning, but just notice that the kingdom of darkness is infested with demons who are under the command of the prince of demons. This whole episode starts with Jesus casting a demon out of a man. Verse 22 tells us emphatically, this man was demon-possessed. A demon was living inside of him. Now, we read all through the Gospels, the New Testament, Jesus encountering one demon-possessed person after another. Just about everywhere Jesus went, he encountered demon-possessed people. The reason why, the demons knew who Jesus was. They, They had to come to attention when Jesus entered a town or a room. But all through the New Testament, we see Jesus encountering demon-possessed people. That's why we need to remember today in 2018, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. It is against the spiritual forces of evil that abide in the heavenly realms. We do combat evil. We do combat demonic activity. People ask me all the time, Preacher, do you believe that people are still possessed by demons in the modern world in which we live? And my emphatic answer is absolutely yes. Absolutely I believe that. You know, it may have taken on a different look or a different face than in Jesus' day. But I'm telling you, people are still possessed by demons today. I have personally encountered numerous people who I believe were demon-possessed. You know what? Even if a person is not possessed by a demon, demons are still actively involved in our world and they are influencing people every single day. If we have these spiritual goggles on, we can see the devil's domain, we can see the demonic influence around us, but number three, we can see the enemy's devices. This episode begins with Matthew describing a man who is living proof of the evil devices of Satan. This man cannot see, nor can he speak. Now, church, listen to me. Not all disease and not all sickness is the result of demonic possession. 
But the Bible clearly states that in this man's situation, it was the result of demonic activity in his life. Satan has all kinds of tricks up his sleeves. Satan is about ruining people's lives. So I'm going to do a quick timeout and just say in, in, a, in a parentheses here, something I hope you don't forget. The devil is not your friend. No matter how he buddies up to you, and no matter what temptation he uses to allure you into his kingdom, the devil is not your friend. His chief objective is to destroy and ruin your life. He wants to destroy your home, your family, your health, your spiritual life. He wants to destroy you. The devil is not our friend. But you know what? Above that, beyond that, this same devil is fighting with all of his power to keep you from hearing the Word of God. Because you know what? It is the power of the Word of God that can set us free and restore our lives. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The devil is doing everything he can to keep you away from the one thing that can heal your life. The one thing that can restore you. That is the word of God. In fact, Jesus told a parable to illustrate how the kingdom of God functions. He says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a farmer who goes out and sows seed. He's planting seed in his field. And he's doing it just by distributing the, 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 the grain, the seed. And he said this seed is falling, but it's falling on different kinds of soil. And one of the kinds of soil that he talks about is this hard packed down stony place. He said the seed will fall there, but before it can penetrate into the soil... A bird sees it and it swoops down and it picks up that seed and it consumes the seed. And so when Jesus is explaining this parable, he says this about that, Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God, that is they hear the word of God and they do not understand it completely, the evil one comes and snatches it away before it can take root in that person's heart. So you know what that means, don't you? That means at this very moment, there is a spiritual battle going on right here in this room, in your heart, because I'm preaching the Word. I'm reading the Word of God. Did you know that this book has the power to change your life? One word from this book can set you free. It can bring you out from under the domain of darkness. And the devil knows that. And so as I'm broadcasting the word or broadcasting the seed, he's swooping down like a bird and picking it off your heart before it takes root. Now, how does he do that? Well, he's pretty creative. He's getting you to think about other things like, gee whiz, when will this guy shut up so I can go eat? Hey, I wonder if, I wonder if the steakhouse is going to be crowded today. I wonder if I need to pull out my phone and text a reservation in, yeah? Are you thinking about this afternoon? Yeah, I wonder, 
I wonder if the cowboys are going to be the cowboys today or if they're going to play like the cowgirls today, you know? <laughs> or you're thinking about the games yesterday. You're thinking to yourself, you know, I sure am glad that those uh, Razorback coaches got smart enough to put a Greenwood quarterback in. <laughs> quarterback from Greenwood, Arkansas, because they finally won a game. Okay? Or you're thinking... You know, can you believe the audacity of Brother Will on Pastor Appreciation Day? The color of tie that he's wearing. <laughs> Angie said I could wear it because Texas had a bye yesterday. They didn't even play. So, you know, it shouldn't offend you. But if it does, I really, you know, I really, whatever. But do you see how it works? The, the devil is picking that seed off of your heart because he knows the power of the Word of God. Every time you sit down to have a quiet time with God and you want to read His Word and pray, I guarantee you the devil is working overtime. Why? He doesn't want you to hear the Word of God. Well, back to our text in Matthew chapter 12. There is a battle going on for the soul of this single man. Satan has deployed his evil weapons and devices to ruin this man's life. But can I tell you something? King Jesus is greater than Satan. King Jesus is more powerful than the devil. Remember, Satan is his rival. Satan is not his equal. So the next thing that we see with our spiritual night vision goggles is... The enemy's defeat. Now, here's a, that would be a good time for you to say amen. The enemy's defeat. Amen. I love the way Matthew shows how quickly Jesus reverses the work of the enemy. In verse 22, Matthew said in just a matter-of-fact way, Jesus healed him. <laughs> you know, kind of, oh, Jesus healed him. Dude, he was a man who was demon-possessed. He could not see, nor could he speak. And just like that, he's healed. I don't, I don't even know if Jesus said anything. He just, he just healed the man. Absolutely amazing. And this is the evidence that a stronger kingdom has arrived. Satan's dark kingdom is a rival to King Jesus. It is not an equal to King Jesus. So in verse 28, Jesus said, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has absolutely come upon you. You see, when Jesus drove out the demon from this man, it wasn't through the power of Beelzebub. It wasn't through the power of Satan. It was through the power of the kingdom of God, unleashed by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, let me put it like this. When this man was healed, it was through the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The one who died on Calvary's cross. The one who shed his blood as a remission for your sin. The one who was buried in a tomb, but three days later conquered death, hell, and the grave. And rose again for our salvation. The power of Jesus. That is the kingdom of God. Jesus is the power. Jesus has the power. 
He has brought the kingdom of God to us. I love Colossians 2.15 when it says Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities. When Jesus died on Calvary's cross and he rose again, he disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by his cross. Tossing the ball up to you. Amen. Church, amen. That is the power of God. Look at how Jesus described the enemy's defeat in verse 29. He says, or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first binds or ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. Now what's Jesus saying here? Well, he's, he's giving a negative image to describe his positive power. He's saying there is a strong man out there by the name of Satan. And make no mistake about it, church, the devil is strong. Don't, don't, don't go try to do combat with the devil in your own flesh. Because he is as a roaring lion and he will chew you up. You are no match for the devil. He is powerful. Jesus said he is a strong man. And in his house, he has captives that are being held. He has possessions. This man was one of the devil's possessions that he had in his house. He had oppressed this man. This man was bound in the kingdom of darkness. Jesus is asking, how in the world can this man be set free? Because the owner, the domain leader is strong. The devil's a strong man. How can we set this man? It takes a stronger man. Now, there, I'm not going to go robbing anybody's house. I'm not going to try to break in anybody's house. But there are some houses I'm sure not going to go try to break in. Because I know the kind of people who live there. And they have, Gary, they have friends that are stronger than me. Mr. Colt. Mr. Smith and Mr. Wesson. You with me? First service people kind of chuckled at that. Y'all are just kind of sitting. They're, it would be foolish for me to try to break into their house because they're stronger than I am. Jesus is saying the only way these captives can be set free is if a stronger man breaks into that house and sets them free. And Jesus is saying, get this, Jesus is saying, I am that stronger man. And he is. He has the ability to go into the devil's domain and to set free the captives that are being held by the evil one. Amen? That's fantastic. So for now, the devil has been bound by Jesus. Now, he still has control in this world. I look at it like this. He's on a long leash. Jesus bound the devil through his ministry. He did it, first of all, in the wilderness through the temptations. But he also did it through his resurrection. So the devil is on a long leash right now. One day, and this is a whole different sermon, one day God is going to give the order 
and his angels will bind the devil for all eternity. He will cast the devil into the everlasting pits of hell, and that's where he will be from now on, from then on. But until then, he's on this long leash. So what are we to do? Well, we don't have to bind the devil. It's already been done. What we have to do is stand fast in the Lord against the devil, and we have to resist the devil. A couple of quick verses, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So instead of just being sucked in, you resist it. You say, no, devil, I'm not going to go there. No, devil, I'm not going to do that. Did you know you can do that? You have the power to say no. But it doesn't stop there. We're not just on the defensive. We get to join God on the offensive as he stands against this evil empire. We get to take part in the enemy's defeat as we join with Jesus in bringing his kingdom to this world. Look look at the way Jesus sums it up in verse 30. That means I'm summing it up too. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Let's break this down. Let's explain this. First of all, he said, he who is not with me is against me. Well, with him in what? With him in the work of the kingdom. Jesus said, you're either helping me or you're helping the devil. You're either on my side or his side. And then he says, number two, he who does not gather with me scatters. Well, gather with him how? Gather with him in rescuing souls from the kingdom of darkness and gathering them into the kingdom of light. You know what Jesus is doing in verse 30? He's drawing a line in the sand. And he's still drawing that line today. He said, you're either with me in the kingdom or you're against me. And you're working in the kingdom of darkness. There's no middle ground. Church, do you hear that? There is no middle ground. And you, can't, you just can't sit on the sidelines to watch this battle. You have to participate. You're in it whether you want to be or not. And Jesus is saying emphatically, there is no middle ground. You're either gathering with the kingdom or you're scattering with the kingdom of darkness. There's no middle ground. At any given time, I am either advancing the kingdom of God or I am advancing the kingdom of darkness. I'm either working with God to gather others into the kingdom of light or I am working against Him to scatter them into the kingdom of darkness. Let me put it this way. I'm either all in or I'm all out. preacher I just don't know (laughs) you better make up your mind quick you have to you're either on his side the side of the kingdom or you're on the devil's side but the deal is you get to choose I sure pray you make the right choice 
because your eternity depends 